So hey guys, welcome to the latest episode of the SaaS Sessions podcast. Uh, today we have Adil Bandukwala on the show. Um, Adil is the director of marketing at for APAC at HackerRank. Uh, HackerRank is a tech hiring platform that is backed by Y Combinators, Khosla Ventures, Battle Ventures, and more. So hey Adil, uh, such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, Sunil. Yeah. So uh, Adil, like why, uh, since we are going to discuss about like evangelism today, in in which you have you have been an evangelist for many products uh, across your career. But before we talk about that, can you tell us more about yourself and your journey into SaaS? So I started I started my career uh, back in two thousand five, starting running my own business. So for the first five six years of my life, I ran an internet. venture where i used to make websites for a living and uh-huh. then i had my, a recruiting venture where i was hiring for customers like genpack morgan sandy deloitte renuka sugars and the like all sitting out of a small town called belgaum in karnataka uh, and then it so happened that um, i got very intrigued by what was happening in the social media space um and i realized that a lot of hiring that will happen will happen by identifying unique talent pockets which aren't necessarily available on job boards and that's how my twist with social media started my started using linkedin uh, in 2006 twitter in 2008 and um because i got good at social networking i started you know speaking at conferences and by speaking at conferences i started winning business as right. a result one conversation led to the other i got hired at dell uh, to scale social media metrics for their talent acquisition team in india mm-hmm. i did that role for a couple of years and as a result of that i was working with linkedin i i used to collaborate with linkedin and linkedin said why don't you come and do what you're doing for dell for a bunch of our customers in consulting so that's yeah. how i got introduced to linkedin which is a major saas player and that's where my twist with saas really started enjoyed my time at linkedin i was part of the product consulting uh, product consulting organization which later on became the customer success organization and from there um, uh, after spending a good two and a half years i got in uh, uh, i i started working at belong which used to be an outbound hiring platform but now they're doing a whole bunch of different things across the talent acquisition retention uh, space So my my first twist with SaaS really started with LinkedIn, but then I've been closely associated with SaaS right from LinkedIn to belong to now HackerRank. That's that's a uh, that's an amazing journey, uh, Adil. And I see you have played multiple roles, right? From being a founder into talent acquisition, then into talent acquisition, then a customer success consultant at LinkedIn, uh, followed by being the chief evangelist at Belong, and now at HackerRank, right? So, did you choose this journey of being like you know into different roles at different stages uh, with different companies, or uh, uh, plus you are an evangelist? I think for for each of these different stages, uh, evangelist. evangelizing the product and the company or was it something that just happened along the way or what is something like a you know a calculated decision for you i've like i've been a huge admirer of guy kawasaki from very early on i think uh-huh. uh, potentially maybe 2008 ish was when i first um first read about guy kawasaki and i started following him on twitter and then pretty much stalking him everywhere online because what he were do- had done was so transformational but then like you know i was running my recruiting business and what happened then was that because you asked the career question 
is that I was able to scale my uh-huh. company's revenues to about an X amount of revenues, but then I wasn't able to go beyond that. And then I understood that I was not able to scale it because there were two fundamental things that I lacked. One, I didn't know how to do enterprise sales and I had never done enterprise sales. Uh-huh. Two, I never had access to hiring managers because for all the companies that I was consulting with, I was interacting only with talent acquisition professionals. And the real feedback actually comes from hiring managers. So it was important for me to get acquainted with hiring managers and understand what their core problem was. And when Dell offered me an opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, I thought I thought that was transformational in nature to my career because it was a unique role, which was called social media talent acquisition advisor, which they were setting up globally. And it gave me the chance to network with hiring managers, understand what their pain points were. Similarly, interact with recruiters and see how is it that they collaborate or have friction points with mm-hmm. hiring managers got it. try and solve for that problem. Parallelly, I also got to look closely at firms like Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, in terms of how they sell to enterprises. Got it. Uh-huh. Uh, and from that perspective, I was like, all right, now that I've figured talent acquisition out and I understand it a little bit, I think uh-huh. I want to understand a little bit more on how uh, companies farm accounts. Like in most enterprise sales, you have hunting and you have farming. Got it. Uh-huh. I wanted to do more on the farming side, but I didn't want to do a quota carrying role. I was very clear about that. Right. And then LinkedIn offered uh, uh, an organization, uh, a role in the organization called Product Consulting, where they said, why don't you come and consult for organizations where you will be actually working with our account management and farming teams to scale revenues for the product consulting org. And that I thought was very, very cool. And that's right. how I got into LinkedIn. But then once I, once I did my two and a half year role at LinkedIn in the customer success organization, which earlier was the product consulting organization, then I was up for a new challenge. And I really wanted to get into something which was a bridge between customer success and marketing, which allowed me to really be the voice of the community and also touch certain elements of branding. And that's when I was, you know, very excited about evangelism. I happened to meet Vijay from Belong. And uh-huh. he he pitched saying that, why don't you come evangelize Belong to the world? And that's right. how I got into Belong. Uh, and then slowly, but eventually, over my four-year journey, Vijay first gave me evangelism. Then, you know, aspects of demand from PR, customer marketing from uh, customer marketing. Right. Uh, and then eventually the entire marketing uh, marketing portfolio itself. So in Steve Jobs' words, uh, you can only connect the dots going backwards. Totally. Uh, <laughs> uh, I couldn't have imagined my career would turn out this way. But it has right. happened gradually over uh, defined periods of time. That's really interesting, uh, Adil. And like, you know, uh, since you have evangelized like different products, different companies at different stages that they were in, right? So let's talk about more on like evangelism, right? So what is product evangelism or what is a company evangelism in, in your words? Yeah, so my uh, ultimate hero for uh, evangelism, like I said, is Guy Kawasaki. Guy, and I mm-hmm. first heard the term from him. Um, he he had this very popular keynote back in the day, which later on he transformed into a book called The Art of the Start. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was a brilliant presentation that he had given earlier, and then he turned it into a book. And he describes evangelism as selling the dream. Right. Um, it's right. really about helping people to imagine or rather reimagine the future it's about Mm -hmm. inspiring them to create that future together 
And ideal case scenario, if you really want to create a product, team, community, company, or even a movement, you need people by your side. You need people to vouch for you, to believe in you, and to believe in your product. And getting them involved and totally won over and to be a part of that journey with you, I believe, is called evangelism. Uh, If you think about what the role of a chief evangelist really is, it's Mm -hmm. about taking a company from zero to potentially critical mass. That's the way I I view evangelism. Got it. And and is it, uh, so why why should companies, you know, worry about uh, like product evangelism or why should there be uh, like roles uh, in in these companies in in different startups at different stages like you know pre product market fit post product market fit and and when they when they are on the 100 billion arr mark so why why like you know why does product evangelism is required at different stages of the company and how how does it change like across uh, maybe different stages i think firstly the founders have to believe in evangelism and uh-huh. they need to understand it from the ground up that it is a long-term play. If mm-hmm. they think they're making an investment just by hiring an evangelist, it won't work. You've yep. got to get an evangelist on board. But at the same time, you need to have a significant budget that you can give that evangelist and people in your organization who will definitely support uh, and empower that evangelist to do what the evangelist wants to really do. I think well, the first part. So the founder buy-in is very important. Yeah. I think mm. evangelism only works for people who are thinking really big are, right. and are in the long haul. They, mm-hmm. they are missionary founders who are fundamentally looking at transforming lives. This is Got where it. evangelism comes into play. So for example, uh, if I were to just say uh, from a business concept perspective, right? Uh, let's compare evangelism and the traditional sales model. In the basic concept of motivation, traditional Uh sales model will say your motivation is making money. Mm -hmm. But motivation for evangelists is creating history. Right. Mm -hmm. From a philosophical point of view, right? uh, Traditional sales will say, hey, I've got to sell. But evangelism will say, I need to convert. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you you think about... um, from a business perspective, the goal from a traditional sales mindset would be to maintain or achieve X quota. But mm-hmm. from an evangelism point of view, it's going to be changing the world. Got it. Uh, got it. From a mm-hmm. concept perspective, again, you'd say from a time horizon, uh, mm-hmm. enterprise sales guy is going to come and tell you that I'm available between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. An evangelist is like, or midnight, sure, I'm up for it. And the, yeah. the evangelist does it because he or she is so bloody excited or so kicked about the product that uh-huh. they don't care about anything. They, they, they're so invested in it that they really want to go go for it all. Got it. Uh, that's really interesting. And and I do see like there's a huge overlap between uh, evangelism and branding, right? So, uh, or, or are they different in, in your words? Uh, I think there are fundamental differences. Okay. So, mm-hmm. for example, um, let let me give you uh, let me give you my perspective. Uh-huh. I think uh, customers buy things, right? But brand evangelists preach about things that they haven't bought. Got it. A lot of times, brand evangelists actually are in the business of creating categories. For right. example, if you think about 
the legendary HubSpot. Mm-hmm. That's probably the only company I've seen who's created two categories at the same time. Marketing automation mm-hmm. um, and um, uh, inbound marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you think about what Gainsight is doing, Gainsight really went ahead and talked about customer success. And mm-hmm. they created yeah. a movement out of it. They created a profession out of it. Right, right. Belong was doing the same thing for outbound hiring. And HackerRank is trying to do the same thing for developer skills. Right. So if you think about a brand evangelist, a brand evangelist is a true fan. Someone who wants to talk about and share your message and get involved in any way they can. Right. So this is between um, a brand guy versus a brand evangelist. Mm-hmm. Brand evangelists start movements. They right. use their personal brand as a platform to scale the business. They go, go mm-hmm. out and inspire people. Uh, and I think evangelists infuse their marketing message with a lot, lot of passion. Got um, it. Because a lot of times this passion comes because they're using personal touch at scale with mm-hmm. genuine conviction. And Got it. Mm-hmm. evangelist doesn't need PPC ads you know, uh, he doesn't, uh, or he or she doesn't run ad campaigns. Mm-hmm. They start evangelizing right where they are. They use the power of communities and they build brands. And Got it. If, if I were to give you iconic examples of evangelists, they uh-huh. started industries, not products. And think about it. Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos. They're all phenomenal evangelists. Yeah. Makes sense. And and talking about these channels, right? Uh, just as you mentioned that uh, running ads or, or using communities or using your personal uh, LinkedIn account to evangelize. So what are the different channels that, uh, that you know, that an evangelist or that you touched, right? Uh, like made be feel or made be like events or made be communities that you created or it, or maybe different online channels that you use, such as ads, maybe at at some point of time or something like that. So what are different channels that, uh, like, you know, that you can evangelize on and starting with your own personal uh, LinkedIn account, right? I think that's what you mentioned before. Absolutely. I think uh, uh, there are two channels, if you broadly look at it. One is uh-huh. internal and one is external. Got it. I mm-hmm. think a lot of times people get it wrong because they don't devote enough time to internal itself. Mm-hmm. First of all, uh, in your own company, do you have enough believers? Are people yeah. there just for the paycheck or are they truly in it for the long haul? Are they mm-hmm. truly in it because they're genuinely excited by what they're building? right? And do, are they invested in the category of your product as well? So the first, mm-hmm. first step is just exciting the shit out of people internally to win their confidence and de- have their buy-in. Because if you don't have that, you're not going to ship amazing products. Uh-huh. So holding, you know, fun conversations at work, whether it's through formal meetings or informal meetings or chai conversations that happen so much in India, which yeah. is catching up over tea and over breaks where you just yeah. step out of the office and go into your local store where you know you just catch up over all things so having those small interactions but yet having company-wide events at consistent time frames where mm-hmm. you genuinely excite people by saying what is the amount of progress the company is making uh, uh-huh. is a core part of evangelism from an external perspective uh-huh. you absolutely have to use the invincible power you have today which is your social media channels uh, I think LinkedIn, uh, you know, uh, uh, I think I read this somewhere. Uh, I'm not sure who who said it, but I think this worked for me very well in life. You know, 
LinkedIn is for people you know. Right. Facebook mm-hmm. is for people you knew. Yeah. While Twitter is for people you want to know. Totally. So think yeah. about putting mm-hmm. that into your everyday day-to-day life, right? LinkedIn is your current and previous connections. You want to stay updated with them. So make sure that the communication that you have there is attained, attuned towards that. Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram is for people you knew. So a lot of times your work colleagues who become good friends uh, later on, you know, start following you on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, what have yeah. you. So then you can interact with them there. But you really want to make meaningful connections who you don't know. Right, I think right. the so for example, a great example for me, uh, a learning that I had was, you know, you just don't approach people enough amounts of time. You're scared of how will you make a connection. So there's Dr. N.S. Rajan, who used to be the CHRO of Tata Sons. And he famously used to be a partner at uh, Ernst & Young for mm-hmm. one of their largest practices across APAC, a celebratory feature, uh, uh, leader across the India Inc. ecosystem. Um, I just one day mustered up the courage to send him a DM on Twitter because I noted that he started his career in marketing and eventually went to sales and then started consulting in the HR organization, then turned CHRO. And I was right. like, how can someone do so many things in a single career? And I was fascinated. Mm-hmm. And then I researched and I knew that he had a fascination for poetry. He spent a lot of time in Lucknow in his early stage of his career. So I one day mustered up the courage to send him a direct message on Twitter. And I said, sir, I'd love to meet you. Please let me know. I just need 30 minutes of your time. Would love some guidance. I'm mm-hmm. keen to learn one, two, three, four things from you. All of a sudden, within the next one hour, he sends me his mobile number and says, let's catch up when you're in Bombay. I'm happy to meet anytime. <laughs> I mean, That's the CHR of Tata Sons is replying to you on Twitter yeah. without having even met you for the first time. I think that clearly shows you the power of social media and totally. also the ability to create a brand and reach out to people, right? So yeah. I think personalizing personalization is something that you really need to do. And personalizing at scale at any social media. Uh, mm-hmm. I think TikTok used to be a great medium. I think still is a very effective medium. Unfortunately, it's banned in India it's right now. In India. Yeah. But what's a, what a phenomenal way to tell stories in this time and age where people don't have time, right? And TikTok, you have bite-sized content for a minute or 30 seconds. It's such totally. a powerful way to tell stories. And then, of course, you have the regular B2B events playbook. You have yeah. you know, the podcast playbook. You've got the LinkedIn Live playbook. You've got the email playbook, which people have been using it for many, many years. But mm-hmm. I think uh, there's another one, which is uh, people are using it uh, today, which is of authoring books and making right. people and stories part of books they author, which mm-hmm. is something that I'm seeing doing really, really well. That's really interesting. So I have multiple things, you know, <laughs> based on what you just said. Uh, firstly, I just want to say that uh, I, I do see like you're a lot of lot active on Twitter and I would ask the audience to you know go and follow you on on twitter which is a a d i l uh is adil's username so yeah definitely go and follow him but yeah uh like coming back to this this uh like you know these channels thing right definitely like like facebook and instagram as as a channel so they are they are for people you know and and rightly mentioned that linkedin in in some way i i do have a different uh thought for linkedin like it it is for people you already know right now and plus i think it is now evolving into something where where you can you know connect or find new people as well i, I think it's just how you use uh, that that thing as a platform whereas twitter is something where you know it would uh, 
like like it's an exploring ex, uh, platform where you can explore and find new new people find new accounts and you know just just uh, bun, bump into like different people and different things so totally on you that uh, with you on that and and just like as you said like how how you reached out to uh, the chr of tata um, uh, ns rajan and uh, i think i i bump into like many people who i host on the podcast in the same way i think that's maybe that's that's like a good channel to like evangelize as well like where you're connecting with uh, like like minded people who are saying the same things about uh, maybe the industry that you're in and you know you talking to them and you know somehow uh, connecting them with with your company or your brand and then uh, maybe doing a podcast with them or doing a webinar with them or something like that i think that is a good channel as well what do you think yeah uh, it really depends so there there isn't a defined playbook right different yeah. uh, versions or approaches work for different people totally um, mm-hmm. i was just trying to share what has worked for me for you right and linkedin obviously is the most powerful channel that i have today it right. has to be a fundamental part of any b2b uh, marketers or enterprise sales guys playbook because mm-hmm. the entire professional world is there right um, and if you're not there for sure you're missing out so i think linkedin is fantastic but the way you approach and use linkedin can be very different it totally, could be used yeah. from a community perspective but it could also be used to build one is to one relationships at scale yeah the same approach Makes goes sense. for twitter it's just that i have found that the response on twitter for senior leaders is very very high totally. especially if you've engaged with them often not necessarily if you just send them a cold email you know yeah. pretty much like say you've got to warm them up first and once people are warmed enough then they respond to you um, yeah. the other channel that i think is getting really interesting and i'm not sure if you've seen it sunil mm-hmm. is uh, something that i discovered about 3 weeks back this is called lunchclub.ai oh yeah 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 so i, I think i introduced mm-hmm. to uh, lunchclub by a good friend of mine called suraj uh-huh. um, and you know lunch club matches you with interesting peers and professionals around the world uh-huh. um and you can set how many conversations you need you want to have you can have one two three as many conversations as you uh, as you want so right. i've got introduced to some fascinating people on lunch club uh, and those relationships are also helping me not only make introductions but also potentially have conversations and a lot of peer learning about my own domain totally mhm Yeah I think I I am meeting people on lunch club as well so lunch club uh, is definitely a great channel uh, and you don't know like so I think an evangelist is some someone who's like you know uh, constantly on the lookout for evangelizing the brand whatever channel that that might be right uh, I think it, they look for opportunities more than more than anyone uh, you know working in the company even even more than a marketer uh, or a growth guy who's who's working out there Uh, so that's really interesting take so that brings me to uh, like a question which is a two part question so one is like how can a company uh, get started with evangelism and how can someone who is uh, who is like this or who is an evangelist can be uh, you know can can sell this idea of that you know I, to a company where he can go to a company and say that you know hey i want to be your evangelist so how a company can get started and how how an individual can get started and you know get a job uh, for an evangelist in in your experience so um in my experience i think uh, the, to answer the first part of your question which is 
how to kickstart evangelism in your particular company right i think um, uh, there are, it's a three step process um, one is get your customers super excited about what you do mm-hmm. uh, not just from a product perspective but from who you are as an individual who you are as a company as a group as a category as a community and then right. slowly factor in or weave the product layer two i think it's very important to listen to your customers and um, i think I'll, at least what i have seen most successful leaders in enterprise sales or uh, you know uh, marketing or evangelism mm-hmm. or success people who've scaled their careers very fast they i have found them that whenever their customers have a problem they pick up the phone and these guys always answer and solve their problem whether the product solves it or not whether the company solves it or not doesn't matter these guys go out of their way to just help the customer and that's where i think uh, abh is the new sales uh, abh mm-hmm. is always be helping right uh, right so help customers solve problems i think the golden rule of evangelism is uh, you know before you can sell or evangelize the customer needs to listen to you and the customer will always listen to you if you help the customer not the other way around so uh the second rule is listen to your uh, customers and always abh which is always be helping mm-hmm. and the third is create more evangelists so uh you obviously have to create one evangelist is not going to be able to scale revenues for the company you've got to have people who under your wing under your leadership or even you know even your uh, superiors evangelize uh through your playbook so create more evangelists and to answer the second part of your question how do you become an effective evangelist i think you become an effective evangelist when you set an example for other employees and how do you go about evangelizing mm-hmm. uh, uh, got it it's very important to entertain people and i think uh, a lot of people don't take this seriously enough uh-huh. you you've got to tell stories you have to ensure that you are not boring because if if the customer you know is not excited every time they having a meeting with you you're failing mm-hmm. at evangelism so i think a huge part of evangelism is also entertainment how do you keep people entertained how do you keep them excited and how do you always bring a smile to their face got it that's really uh, like yeah, that that makes sense and and where does this uh, evangelist as a, as a function or as a role you know uh, fall under is it does it come under marketing does it come under brand and communications or uh, does it come under the ceo's office this is an interesting question and it's done differently at different organizations uh-huh. but it really depends on the org structure and the company type so if you're saying most startups and i'll say uh from let's say series b all the way up to series e and f mm-hmm. i think it makes sense for it to sit bit, uh, and report directly into the ceo because it. it's a very strategic role mm-hmm. but as you grow large and say you are the size of a salesforce you are the size of an apple you are the size of yeah. an ibm then i think it's very important that it it sits into the cro role because mm-hmm. the cro the chief revenue officer clearly understands the impact a evangelist brings and the okay. cro although works very closely with the cmo uh, uh-huh. a lot of times the cro will want the evangelist to impact a certain amount of revenue and to have tangible impact so while evangelism doesn't become quota carrying 
got it uh, but yeah the, uh, interesting take like i never would have expected uh, like like an evangelist to be reporting into the cro but yeah makes sense like i think uh, if if the if there are my name accounts or strategic accounts that need to be influenced in a way so i think evangelist is the guy who i would go to uh, like you know to influence those those particular accounts in like you know in different ways uh, or something like that but yeah makes sense so i think we have reached the course for for this uh, evangelist episode uh, with you adil but i think we before we like sign off we ha- i have a few lightning questions for you which is not related to evangelist it's like generic questions so are you up let's go yeah so uh, first one like what do you know about your work now that you wish you would have known when you first started i think the biggest lesson that i have learned is uh, you've got to have or you got to always have a bias for action uh, ship it. today it doesn't matter you, you, right. you tend to over obsess and overthink about quality i think quality is overrated shipping is extremely underrated and shipping is something that you need to prioritize that's really interesting and uh, second one so what did your biggest uh, professional failure teach you i think not asking for help and not being vulnerable i think it's very important mm-hmm. that if you don't know how to do something or you're yeah. stuck at a problem don't try to solve it by yourself because the world has enough smart people who have solved that problem totally. multiple times before so totally. approach people be open be vulnerable express yourself you're not going to, they're not going to see you in a negative light yeah and even if they do it doesn't matter it will help you solve your problem and it's the only thing that uh, uh, matters right you've got to learn and overcome totally. that problem so that you can attack the next one totally and and just one maybe one addition which you i think you would agree on as well like people are approachable i think you can just reach out to them on linkedin and twitter and 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 they do reply and they do connect right like if maybe 10 people won't but the 11th person might right so i i think you just have to keep figuring out who is the right person to ask Yeah, exactly. totally like, on like with you. Like I said, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. So, what's the number one thing that has helped you shorten your learning curve? I uh, I think just being open to accepting ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times when some somebody just says uh, something or they says, "Hey, I want to do X." Uh, it might be a business it might be a meeting call it could it could mm-hmm. be a team interaction inherent bias seeds in and you're like oh this has not worked in the past this is not going to work right you you tend uh-huh. to shoot that idea down but i think it's important to um truly uh, and i think there's a difference between le- uh, listening and hearing a lot of times we are just hearing but we're not truly listening which is processing that information and really introspecting and thinking deeply about what the other person is saying and therefore one is don't have any bias 
and to be truly open to listening to people because you don't know what shoes they're in and you don't have necessarily that point of view so it's mm-hmm. important to ask people follow up questions and ask them why they're saying something what point of view they're coming from and what data points they took to arrive at that particular decision or construct and often that can give you revealing answers interesting uh and my last one uh, adil since we are in these you know unprecedented times what is the one thing or what is the first thing that you're going to do after this whole covid situation ends like what has what has been like the most the number one thing that you have been waiting for to do uh i think you know, <laughs> you know covid has been such a big curveball that nobody saw it coming and yeah. you know it's it's happened multiple times in our lifetime it's just uh-huh. like you know we don't learn from history it happened in 1999 when the bubble burst it yeah. happened again in 2008 in india when the market tank it uh-huh. happened for a small amount of time in 2012 13 uh, mm-hmm. and then now it's happening with cold which is un- unheard of unseen of yeah right? uh, i think the number one lesson that i've learned and uh, i think I, we'll all have to learn is you got to continue adapting to times Uh-huh. because times are changing so fast i mean come to think about it right um, companies have been trying to sell digital transformation solutions for the last 3 to 4 years yeah and suddenly you're seeing that most companies have digitally transformed overnight mm-hmm. uh, you ask most companies how did you transform overnight the answer is not going to be ceo transformation yeah. ceo agenda cio agenda they're, they're saying covid covid right. helped us transform because we had no other choice so i think uh, adapting to what how the world is moving is uh, something that all of us need to be open to mm-hmm. and we need to continuously adapt and keep changing with the times i don't think you can you know a lot of times um, forecast what is necessarily going to happen yeah, you can have totally. a plan of action but uh, the biggest lesson i have learned is that you have a plan of action but re- be ready to change that plan at any given point in time and adapt awesome so that that's it for us in this episode are they like thanks a lot for you know sharing your journey and that ama- those amazing insights on you know evangelism for a company and for an individual uh, as well no thank you sunil for the opportunity uh, very grateful to you and happy to be part of your podcast yeah um, also i hope what i said helps you and it helps uh, the community and the listeners as well so looking Definitely. forward to the feedback from the community as and when you get some